everyone? We're back for another episode of ESPN's Ball and the Real World podcast. And we have got a good one today. Bryce Cotton, fresh off two huge buckets. One against New Zealand on Monday night. Uh, and the other one came against Melbourne United a few days earlier. Uh, Bryce is going to join us on the show. We're going to talk about big shots. We're going to talk about what is up with the Wildcats now that they are at home. Uh, does he want 48-minute games? Some really interesting stuff from Bryce here. Uh, I was fortunate enough to catch up with him in between flights with the Wildcats heading home. We know that they have nine straight games at home leading into the postseason now. So uh, Bryce is always fascinating to listen to, and we appreciate uh, his time there. But a couple of things, a couple of housekeeping notes here before we bring Bryce in. Uh, we should say, first of all, Jenner Hay, who... Uh, I've been fortunate enough to interview a number of times. A star in the women's game, a star with the Opals, and of course in the WNBL, uh, obviously announced that this was going to be her last season last week. So I just wanted to shout out to Jenna. Incredible career, incredible influence uh, with women's basketball in Australia on and off the court. Um, so we love that. And then as far as uh, the, the NBL goes, it is really starting to heat up. Early preseason projections from me or preseason predictions from me. I had Melbourne, Southeast Melbourne, Sydney, and Perth as my top four. I had Illawarra out of the top four at the start of the season. This was actually way back in August. Now, currently, that is still a chance. But I'm telling you now, the Phoenix are starting to get a little bit wobbly uh, as this podcast comes out, they've still got a couple of big games on the schedule here. So I, I personally can't wait. And when you include the fact that the Tassie Jack Jumpers, Scott Roth, what an incredible job he is doing with the Jack Jumpers. Tasmania are in the mix as well. Uh, so this is just going to be a ridiculous run to the postseason in the NBL. I can't wait to cover it. Uh, as always, uh, you can get all your news, all your info at ESPN.com.au. Plenty of stuff rolling through the week from myself and, and the other contributors and obviously the incredible team we have over in the US as well. And make sure you check out The Jump on ESPN, 7 p.m. Friday nights. Myself, Andrew Gaze, Leonard Copeland, Nat Edwards, big names from the basketball world over in the US join us every Friday night. So if you haven't caught The Jump yet, make sure you do that. It's a lot of fun. We just have fun on the show. Joining us now, a three-time MVP of the league, three-time champion of the league, and potentially about to add to those totals in the next few months from the Perth Wildcats, Bryce Cotton. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, man. How you doing? So your background looks like uh, San Francisco, but you're in Melbourne currently, about to finally go home. And I imagine, <laughs> I imagine it was a pretty good mood in this team. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. You beat the Breakers last night in what... Might have been the game of the season, but I, I suspect everyone's feeling pretty good at the end of this long road trip. Yeah, um, it was a crazy dog fight, obviously, and I think us playing three games in about six days, you know, it really tested our bodies. But for us to end on a winning note and be heading back to Perth, uh, I don't think we could have asked for anything much better, especially with how we won in, you know, such a back-and-forth game. Did that feel like the game of the season for you? I know a lot of people have, but when you just talk about the high-quality shot-making from you guys, from yourself, from Vic, but also on the New Zealand side of things, it was just shot for shot, particularly in overtime. Uh, did that feel as high-quality as it looked for me sitting on the couch here in Melbourne? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, it just seemed like there was a spurt where anytime one team made a big shot, the other team was going to make another. Neither of us could really miss a, ba miss a basket at a certain point. So it's, uh, I guess it's really fun for fans to watch, but 
uh, it's not always fun when you're kind of in the middle of it and guys just keep hitting tough shot after tough shot. So you mentioned the three games that you've had here in six days and you hit a big shot a few nights ago here against uh, Melbourne United as well. And I was listening to you in the post game and you said you were a little bit surprised. And it was a live ball play. You bring the ball up. They don't decide to double you. You knock it down. Obviously, Vic is so hot. But what is actually going through your head at that point in time when you first collect the ball and it's, it's time to push it up the floor with time winding down? Um, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot going through my head. I was just trying to find a there was going to be spacing on the floor. Um, and the reason why I said, like, I just assumed there'd be a double is because a lot of times um, since my time in Perth, anytime a team can get the ball out of my hands, uh, <laughs> they usually double, you know. But uh, I guess that's kind of the benefit of having a – like getting a rebound on the fly where the defense doesn't have a chance to set up and figure out what they're trying to do. And um, having the ball and being in moments like that, you want to make sure you just kind of – take what the defense gives you, read and react. Because if you premeditate a move, it may not always come out right. So 13 and 6, I think if you had have said that you would have had all these road games in a row right now, uh, obviously you would have taken this record. But where do you see where you guys are at right now with obviously a lengthy push now towards the postseason at home? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we did a pretty good job. We put ourselves in a good position. Uh, but even in saying that, with the 9 and 5 record, uh, we had on the road. We probably let a couple slip that we could have won. So it just shows, even though we did pretty well, um, there's still new levels that we could take our team to. So I think carrying that momentum heading home uh, is going to be very vital. What was the hardest thing for you about being on the road? And I, I know the answer for a lot of people is family and, and being away and not, not having your own bed and all those types of things. But for you, uh, how did you stay focused? How did you... Uh, stick with the plan here as you it was probably uncertain for a lot of this time you didn't know when or if you were going to get home yeah I would say that was the most difficult thing just not knowing you know it's that basketball it's you know being a professional it's part of the game having to be on the road and things of that sort but usually you know when you're going home at least but obviously with COVID there's going to be hiccups and stuff like that throughout the season so uh, I think we did a good job rolling with the punches but um, not knowing um, for some time when we would actually go home was, uh, I guess it was difficult at times, but at the end of the day, you can only control what you can control. I remember back on, on Media Day, I asked you so a question along the lines of motivating yourself or how do you motivate yourself? And someone asked me last week why I thought yourself and Vic Law were the best duo in the league. And I said, well, there's, it's one thing watching Bryce Cotton at home, but I think I like watching Bryce Cotton on the road even more because it feels like you're the type of player that enjoys playing on the road, playing in that environment. What, what motivates you or what changes, if anything, when you are in the road, when the fans are against you and you're trying to, to come up against that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say anything changes for me, um, but I think, you know, good teams and teams that, you know, contend for championships are teams that have the ability to consistently win on the road. So, there's always, I guess, that extra challenge that, you know, you want to prove to yourself as a team that we're just as good whether we're playing in RAC Arena or we're playing in another team's uh, home venue. So um, that's just the biggest thing, being consistent regardless of where you're at. Do you enjoy being the villain, though? When I say the villain, I mean, even Dan Shamir last night in his post game, he's just like, well, you know, that was just Bryce being Bryce. And you've done this to teams over and over again. And I know Melbourne United fans, for instance, you've done it to them. They probably sick of you hitting big shots. Do you enjoy being the, the, the villain on a good team that wins all the time and you're the star? 
<laughs> I've never looked at it as being the villain, but uh, <laughs> I, I would definitely say I, I enjoy what I do and I, I love playing in Perth. And, you know, it's those are the moments that you like to play for. You know, all the hard work you put in in the off season and have an opportunity to showcase it in, uh, I guess, big time moments. How have you found the relationship with Vic on court? I mean, clearly the results have been pretty good and you're both having incredible seasons, but there was a lot of talk that it's a little bit of a change. You've had a, a star big man for the last few seasons. You probably go back to, uh, well, Tariko White obviously was a, was a star uh, at the guard position, but how have you found it with Vic and you guys working off each other, understanding when he's hot like he was last night and then you, you can take over in overtime? Yeah, um, it's it's amazing, honestly, just you know, having a guy out there that can just, you know, take over a game in so many ways, you know, obviously he can put the ball in the basket, but he has the ability to make big defensive plays or get just clean up on the glass where I think it was maybe against United. I think he had 18 rebounds or something like that. So just having a guy that can impact the game in so many ways is amazing. And I think uh, the more we continue to jail and with the way we've been playing right now, I think we can continue to get better. Um, as a team, as well as uh, individually. But so far, so good. What about Scott Morrison? You had the same coach for a number of years there. Uh, it's different. It's different for the franchise. We mentioned some of the players that came in, but obviously the coach was the biggest part and it's been challenging. He was late to arrive. Uh, how, have, how have you found him? And how's it been just playing under a different voice? Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Uh, obviously, uh, like you said, it's different, but you know, I like it. I don't mind it at all. I like the way he approaches the game, his mentality. He's really big on staying in the moment, um, not getting too high when things are going well, not getting too low when things aren't. And uh, he's a guy that never wants us to be complacent. And I, I really respect that. And as a coach and with the culture I'd say we have here in Perth, that's probably a recurring theme. Of no matter how much success you have, you can never be complacent because, you know, there's always a huge target on your back. So. Um, you're always playing for something bigger than yourself, I'd say. I, I caught up with Danny Mills last week and we were just talking about the season in general and part of that conversation was Michael Fraser. You've been in this league long enough where you've seen guys that have gone through patches where they might be struggling or they're not playing to the level where you know that they can or that you know that they have previously. What do you, what do, you do as one of the leaders on this team? Do you talk to him? Do you let him work through it? How, how has he been handling it and how have you been... Um, trying to get him involved and get him back to the level that everyone knows that he has played previously overseas. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. You know, you kind of let them find their own way because they're pros themselves and they've been through this path before. But then also you give them that, you know, encouragement and let them know that, you know, you believe in them. You see how much work that they put in. And, um, you know, I, I for sure, I know how much Mike works. You know, we're, we're pretty close and we have a lot of talks, but he's a hell of a worker. I know his mentality. Um, but I guess high and low patches are a part of the game regardless of where you're at. And, um, you know, I remind him of it, but I, I think he knows that. And um, as long as he stays, I guess, out of his own mind, I know he'll be fine. And it's, it's only a matter of time before he gets back to, you know, being the player that I know he is and he knows he is. And he'll be playing back up to um, his standards for sure. Speaking of some of the American players, so... For college basketball, it's a pretty fun time of year and Providence is there. I think they're a four seed. Uh, do you, how closely are you watching this? Are you, I know it's difficult when you're playing in the games and all that sort of stuff, but you'll obviously be following along. 
Yeah, so obviously because of the time difference and all that, I'm not able to actually watch the games, but I do keep tabs and, you know, check the scores after every game. So even though the Big East tournament was cut a little bit short, at least uh, we got the big tournament to look forward to. So I'm hoping that they can make some noise. I was looking back at your stats from college this morning and I was having a conversation with someone last week about minutes per game and we were discussing whether the NBL should go back to 48 minutes. Uh, your senior season... You averaged 40 minutes per game. And I think it was actually above 40 minutes because you had a number of double overtime games where you never came to the bench at all. Thinking about that mm-hmm. now is absolutely absurd, but you've clearly obviously always been someone that would prefer to be on the floor than, than take a rest, let's say that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it was a few seasons back, um, there was a coach for another team in the NBL who said, the workload that I was playing at, like I wouldn't be able to sustain it come playoff time. And I, I remember laughing it off because I played every minute of every game in college my senior year and was fine. So it's like, it's, it was never anything new, but um, that goes back to, I guess, preseason conditioning and what I do in my off season um, to be able to put my body in, in a position to where it can handle stuff like that. Would you, do you have any thoughts on that? Whether the NBL should go to 48 minutes? Oh, listen, man, I, I would love for it to, honestly, because obviously I'm a student of the game, student of the NBL as well. And um, just I've always wondered what that would be like to play out here in a 48-minute era. Uh, that, would, that would be pretty cool and nostalgic, I'd say. Take it back to the old days. But who knows if they ever do it or not. It counts for the stats as well. I think right now, I mean, you're averaging around 24 points per game, which I think would be the most in, in the 40-minute era. But clearly... You know, you can, you can be playing 40, 41 minutes a game again, uh, like the good mm-hmm. old days. But what do you think of your season this year? And I, I mentioned that's a career high for you scoring-wise, but I'm sure you judge your game on more than just scoring. So how do you rate this season so far compared with everything else you've already done, clearly, in this league? Um, I mean, I really haven't had a chance to compare it yet because it's still going. Uh, I usually don't take a look and compare until the seasons are done. But I think with this year just having new pieces, new everything, new players, new coaches, new management. I think we've done a, a very good job just adjusting to it on the fly. And as a player, like guys like me, Jesse, Mitch, uh, I almost feel like sometimes it was a bit of a, more of a challenge for us because we had been under a system for year after year, having to unlearn something to learn the new systems rather than some of the guys who's just here for the first time. But uh, it's been great. It's been fun. And that's what basketball is about. I feel like we were kind of spoiled having the same coach and playing for the same, uh, playing with the same teammates year in, year out. So this was, this is more like, I guess, what professionalism looks like. Um, just with the off-court stuff, I'm sure you're, you're sick of being asked about the citizen, uh, citizenship stuff. But to me, I always, I mean, people always ask you this because they ask about the boomers and they ask if you're playing for Australia. And by the way, I understand why basketball fans are interested in that aspect. But for you, obviously, you've spoken before that, that Perth is, is the second home for you now. You've got a family here in Perth. So how would it change uh, the off-court life for you being able to finally get this over the line? Um, I mean, it would just be crazy because... I mean, playing for the Boomers, that's something that I never thought of, even when I first came out here. Um, never crossed my mind. But to be able to receive an opportunity to represent a country that you're not even from, um, that's a huge honor. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to even think that it's even an opportunity. Now, whether it actually 
eventuates or not, I don't know. But if it does, that that would be cool. But because I have no control over the citizenship, it's kind of just out of sight, out of mind. Uh, I've, you've also spoken about the fact that, you know, what this franchise now means to you, you've been here for so long. Originally, you didn't think that it was going to be a long, <laughs> a long haul thing, but it's, it's turned into that. And clearly we've already discussed, maybe you're playing the best basketball you ever have. Uh, how long do you, do you want to play for? And, and I, I asked that not, trying to retire you i can promise you that but uh, i'm just wondering do you think about long term what you want to achieve or how long you want to play for um as your career rolls on yeah i mean i know what i want to achieve for sure i have things in my mind but i haven't really put a limit on to when i want to stop playing that's just kind of me listening to my body and i feel my body will tell me when it's time um but i don't want to think about it so as long as my body's not telling me anything that's not crossing my mind. Did you, you said that you were very confident and you put in all the work. You had that long layoff last year, which was very rare for you. You hadn't been through that a lot. What, what, how has that helped you? How have you been able to benefit from perhaps having that time off? You've been working for so long and now to come back and have this season. I, I wouldn't say anyone doubted that you could have done it, but it's been impressive nonetheless. Um, I think for me, it, the biggest thing was just making sure I took my time with my rehab. I wanted to be sure I didn't rush coming back from that surgery. And I wanted to feel like I was the same player before um, I had my surgery. And I knew the most important thing with that was never cheating the rehab, you know, every single day doing what I needed to do. And it wasn't for me about proving anybody wrong or right. It was just to prove to myself, like I can, I can overcome this small obstacle and, you know, Come, come back, I guess, on the other side on top or better than I was before. And um, so far, so good. But it was definitely a mentally, mentally challenging obstacle for me, especially probably the first three weeks of rehab for me. That's what I was going to ask. Are you patient in that regard in terms of waiting to, to be able to take the steps as you worked your way back? Uh, yes and no. Like in one <laughs> aspect, you know, you kind of, you want to speed the process up, but at the same token, you have no choice but to be patient because your body's only going to allow you to push it, you know, so far. But uh, for like the first week or so, like I couldn't even really bend my legs. So it was like the little wins for me the first couple of weeks, like being able to put my sock on my foot or something like that, or being able to put my shorts on without struggling. Like those are like the little wins I was looking forward to in the early stages of rehab. All right. As you get home now, and like you said, you're in Melbourne, you're about to head back to Perth and you'll play this weekend, first time in a long time. Uh, what do you think the Perth fans are going to be like at RAC Arena again with this game against New Zealand? Because uh, I've got some friends over there and they, they say that they've been waiting a long time for this. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be jumping for joy. Honestly, it's been so long for them. Uh, I'm sure they miss watching us play as much as we miss playing in front of them. But, um, you know, New Zealand, it's going to be a tough dog fight. So, we're expecting them to bring all the energy that they can and um, hopefully we can give them some stuff to cheer about. Uh, Scott spoke about the defensive side of the ball uh, after a game last week. Where do you think you guys are at? And again, we've spoken about all the change that, changes that you've had and you've played some different lineups going small a lot of the times. So Matt Hodgson's obviously been in and out of the lineup. So where do you think you guys are at uh, on that side of the ball? I think we're improving. Um, I think there's... Still areas we can work on, but I would say over the past week, two weeks, I think we've definitely made some huge improvements in our defense and just being a little bit more consistent 
uh, throughout the game. Obviously, you're going to have lapses, but I think the amount of lapses we have throughout the game have gone down the past few weeks, which is great for us. We really need that. Do you think it? Do you think it is just being a change of personnel, change of system? What being again, maybe some of the, the difficulties of being on the road. What do you put down? Uh, some of the times we have had lapses through the season. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes you know the game. It's so tiring sometimes. So there's not a lot of talk, and a lot of times you know if you're telling you you should tell a guy like oh, I want to switch or stay low or whatever because you're tired. You don't say anything. And now you leave your teammate out to dry and they get a couple easy baskets or something like that. So communication was huge for one. And then outside of that, I think just having the energy there. Because even if we mess up in our system, if you're playing with the right amount of energy, you can kind of, I guess, erase some of those mistakes with just pure effort and heart. Uh, this, I think, I, I don't know, you, you've been there, so you know this as well as anyone. <laughs> This top five that we have right now, and you should probably put Tasmania in there and as a team that's been super competitive all season long. How do you think the top end of the NBL compares to recent years? Because it feels like it's going to be as, as tight as it's been, um, certainly in recent history. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be very tight. I remember a few years back, uh, maybe 2019, I think, that the first three teams all finished with the same record. Us, Melbourne, and Sydney all finished 18 and 10, and the only separation was point differential. So um, we've obviously seen something like that before, but it's, it's looking like it could be something close like that again. Uh, you sat out playoff basketball last year. That you've spoken about the fact that that was challenging. Do you even allow yourself to think ahead too far to, to that point and what that'll be like for you to return to, to that type of stage? No. I don't think about it because um, right now the most important thing is, one, trying to get into the playoffs, sense it, and then after that you're trying to put yourself in the best uh, seating that you can get into. And then I think once that happens from there, maybe those thoughts will creep in. But right now there's still some more, I guess, dots that we have to check off on the board. Last one for you, and this is uh, non-basketball related. Outside of your family, what is the thing that you've missed the most about Perth? <laughs> Um, what have I missed most about Perth? Man, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would have to say maybe just being able to go to like my little uh, my little breakfast spot. It's, lit. it's probably like a three or four minute walk from my house. Um, just going there with the family on an off day. I, I probably miss that because it's just very chill time and yeah, not having much to do. It's cool. B2 Beats on the road, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you're in Melbourne right now. You're going home. It's been a long time coming for you guys. And uh, I think everyone here, except for maybe Melbourne United fans, everyone's enjoyed watching you guys play out here as much as we have. So <laughs> safe travels home, man. And, uh, and good luck for the rest of the way. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me.